This is Comet Picks by the Glick, and here's your host, Jason Glick. Glick, yes. He has to wait. Yeah, here I am. He has to wait for that, otherwise he just cannot stop. Uh, so yeah, you, you don't give me the proper introduction, it's like, I, oh, 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 oh. Aww. Aww. Okay. What a letdown. Yeah. You son of a bitch. You're fired. Oh, shit. No, okay. Not you. I'm fired. Okay. How do you fire the guy who... Dire- I don't Never know. Mind. <laughs> who produces uh, the podcast. Yeah. I kind of produce it. Yeah, if it wasn't for you, like, there wouldn't be any of this. But, I guess not. So otherwise, yeah, yeah. Ignore what you it do. It is you, all his fault. Yes. Largely. Mm-hmm. Direct your yeah. hate mail to um, Brian Johnson at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Okay, and this week we're talking about a series that I've been spent the last couple of weeks, last week or so, rereading. It's called it's called Starman, like a DC comic series written by James Armiston, art by Tony Harris and Peter Schneidberg. Not related to the movie. Not related to the movie by John Carpenter. So. Or not related to the other thing I mentioned earlier. What was the other thing you mentioned earlier? Myron. Myron. Um, Starman is related is not related to the movie or and n- not the John Carpenter movie, but and what else is he not related to? What what comic were you talking about earlier? The one you're reading right now. Starman. I'm reading Starman right now. There's a movie named Starman. <laughs> I know, which is not related with to Jeff Daniels. Right. It's not related to Starman, but starring Jeff Daniels. No. No. No, but or the Rockman thing either. I'm, I'm looking at art right now, so I, I I'm like. Totally okay, we'll, we'll come back to this later. Yeah, okay, we'll come back to this later. Okay, but recently the series has been released in a series of omnibus editions. We're talking like really um price, really pricey fifty dollar hardcover editions that that collect a big chunk of the series, as opposed to the trade paperback editions that were released um as the series came out. And what why the series would deserve um such such re, uh, such a hardcover re-release. It's like, well, that's that tells you like how how important it was for the time for the time that it was released. And the thing is about the series, it's a story of Jack Knight, like the son of um, the son of Ted Knight, the um, the Golden Age Starman. Like, and the Golden Age Starman, he's just a guy who had a star rod that drew his power from the stars. Like, zap zap bad guys, allow them to fly, fight evil, you know, like all that good shit. But um, his his son Jack. Um, he was kind of looked at that. I thought, you know, this is kind of this is really kind of goofy. He's like, why do I why do I want to be part of this? And so his brother David, David Knight, um, basically took up the uh, took up the role of Starman, and he survived for a little while. And then the first, very first issue of the series, he was shot dead. So you've got so basically um, you've got the the, um, the Starman's arch enemy, the Mist, his son, like trying like doing his best to take out the take out the sun. The son's a, like the legacy of Starman. He basically establishes his own legacy, and then you got Jack Knight, the son, who is this? Who is this? The son doesn't want any part of this, but then realizes he's got to take up the mantle in order to in order to survive because like Miss wants him dead as well. And as he does this, it's like he slowly realizes that like, you know like, I do appreciate my my father's legacy. I do want to do, ju- do justice by him. That's 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 the, that's the uh, thrust of the series right there, but. What sets Starman apart from other series, and why it's getting this deluxe hardcover um, re- um, reprinting um, as, as of right now, is the fact that um, more than any other character at the time of the nineties, is that Jack Knight is probably one of the most realistic, realistically written of modern superheroes. I mean, like you hear him, like he's got his own, he's got his own passions, his own drives. I mean, he's basically a junk dealer. Like he's got his, like he's, 
he's got his own junk shop that's destroyed in the like the first couple of issues. But he's his own his passion is for like these stuff of old, like like old TVs, old china, old books, old everything. Mm. And it's and it's his his interior monologues that really um, bring the series to life. Where you hear him speak, and it doesn't sound like a superhero is like, oh, I'm going to do the right thing because I'm a hero and that's what heroes do. It's like Jack's like kind of like. Oh man, it's like this is oh man, it's so scary. Man. I'm gonna piss my pants because this is this, is, this stuff's going on. And it's like, what am I gonna do? It's like I gotta I gotta do something. I gotta do, I do right with my dad. It's like I gotta just like I gotta just like save save say well, even though I have no idea what I'm gonna do. And that's more than anything else in the series. That's what sets it apart. I mean, Jack Jack Knight's interior monologue, his his humanization over the course of the series, is what really what sets the series apart. More than anything else, I mean, it's, it's he's Jack Knight is a real human being. Like he's just like you, you or me. Only the thing is, like he's got a superhero legacy to live up to, and he's got his his dad's star, his dad's um star rod in order to to use. And like, well, not his dad's star. I and mean, this is like a uh, version he's, he's um, manipulated for his own for his own use. And he's got to um he, he uses it to um just just be a superhero. And like he's got his own. I mean, he has his own cell. I mean, he, and eventually, as he's like, like taking up the mantle of superhero, he realizes like, you know, like, saving, like, fight, fighting crime, saving, saving good, saving innocent people. Like, that's a rush in and of itself. I mean, like, hey, you're like, I'm, I'm doing my thing. Like, it feels good. It's like I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm of the uh, lawful good alignment, and like that's it. That's like that's a plus, man. Like I, I feel so good like saving all these people. I'm sorry to interject, like, so no, go right ahead. But, um can you explain a little bit more about I'm, as I'm skimming through and looking at the artwork I see um, the brother, brotherly conflict yeah because that's the thing about, um, about Jack Knight at first he has no respect for the, for the um, profession of Starman at first like, he, he looks and thinks oh it's just another guy in tights like fighting fighting bad guys and just like you know, stopping bank robberies and not, stopping people knocking over 7-Elevens and shit but then he, then as after his brother is killed in the line of duty, and then he um, tries to um, as try, find out, tries to um, make up, talk to his dad about this. His dad realizes that his dad, his dad Ted Knight, the, the Golden Age star man, like knows that his son, like oh, I don't, dude, I know you don't care about this. So, like you know, just just get out of town, just like save yourself. You're my son, and I love you, but you're not going to be star man. You're not worthy of the mantle. And so this is when Jack. Jack and I realized, like, hey, you know what? I've got to do something. I've got to go and I, I, there's, there's something I can do. I can try and save um, the city of Opal, um, which is Starman's home city, from from the mist and his ma- and his machinations. And so that's his that's his most that's his most op- operandi at first. And as things go on, he wrestled brings him in cont- contact with the uh, with the mist's daughter, who basically um, reimagines herself as the second generation of the mist. And basically, she um, she does her own crazy shit. I mean, it's like she's she like her daughter here. Her father, the Mist, realizes that she's not she's not going to be the real the real second generation iteration of the Mist. She like she she's just like the stuttering um, little girl who um, who likes her likes her dad and wants to appeal to him. But it's his son who um, Jack Knight eventually kills in the first arc is going to be the hero. Well, I mean the villain in this case, and so she. Basically, turn, like undergoes a um, process, turns herself in, gives her the power of the mist, you know, to turn intangible and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she eventually, um, at one point, um, rapes Jack Knight, 
um, while he's unconscious and fathers his son. What? Yeah, and then eventually goes on to kill um, kill three fifths of the um, Justice League Europe because she she wants to she's um, wants to prove herself as a as a A list villain, and like she's she's got her own agenda right there. But it's more, but that's that's interesting in itself. But it's more Jack Knight's struggle to become like his his reaction to becoming a hero. That um, make the series worthwhile. I mean, he's a very relatable character. He's like an ordinary guy that just happens to have a superhero legacy assigned to himself. And like, whether it's him you know, like fighting the mist, fighting a guy who's um, fighting a mad bomber who's um, laying, laying bombs throughout, throughout Opal City, it's like, or just like assisting a pirate, a pirate's ghost, in finding redemption for his for his past sins. Uh, he's relatable and understandable throughout all of his crests. And that's that's what makes the series um great in and of itself. And this is the Jack Knight's relatability, um, by writer James Robinson, is what makes the series um great by itself. I mean, more than anything else, like that's what you're gonna remember the series for. I mean, you also remember it for um his for his um for the Shade. Um, the Shade is a um is a ostensibly a villain, a guy who has the power of um the shadow villain, uh, the shadow dimension, and shadow and shadow imps to um to kill people for however he wants. But he's uh, he's just in it for the for the fun to prevent himself prevent himself from being bored because he's an, he's an immortal, and he's got to find some way to just you know, like keep himself occupied while like while he's alive for like the past few hundred years or so. But he's but he's a villain for like all the major like superheroes, all all the golden age superheroes at least. But for when he's in the city of Opal, he's just he, that's his hometown, and he's all about protecting it. Even if he is a bad guy, and willing to just like you know sign you to this like evil dimension where like, you're tormented by his shadow, his shadow characters at all this time. But now, well, I've, you know, I've said like it's a, it, it's worth reading because of um because of like the ability of Jack Knight, and how even the that transcends this transitional superhero archetype, and while you got the Shade, who's like a really good representation of the, uh, like the the uh, cool lawful evil villain. Who is just like he's got his own agenda, but he's just like, like he, he, he's just out to like to like make have fun by himself and just like abide by his own his own rules rules and regulations. That's fun in and of itself. Now, even though even though the audience can't see this, um, as I'm skimming through the comic book, like I have to admit, like the artwork is like it's like traditional. To me, I look at it and it's like traditional comic book style. <laughs> But um, you're talking about the character Jack, Jack Knight, and as I point this to you, this is Jack Knight himself, right? Yeah. He's Starman. Yeah. What about this character right here? Okay. Now, for for those of you at home, it's like I bought I brought the first volume and the last volume of Starman as reference. Okay. The um, I can't really explain to you. Well, I probably explain to you right now, Myron. But here you're looking at is David Knight. Okay. Who is Jack Jack Knight's brother, and he That's was brother. yeah, and he was a guy who was killed the very first issue. Okay. Now that doesn't stop him from showing up in the series um, later on because he's because mm. he's brought back in spirit form over over the course of several issues, which are called Talking with David, where where Jack and David explore the relationship. It's like like once once each year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. But the thing is, like, the, the culmination of the relationship is in the final volume where you find out that, well, let's just say David actually, um, while he was only Starman for, for a few weeks in the present day, 
he's actually um, been Starman for a lot longer in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's the thing right there. But okay. But actually, going to think about the past though is that the main issue I have with Starman is that um, well, Robertson is really well, writer James Robertson is really good at writing um, at characters. He's not so good at actually like superhero plotting. I mean, you remember the characters and their actions in the series more than anything else, but the actual superhero plots. I mean, it's just like you know, like bad guys show up, they fight. Um, our hero finds a way to um, outsmart them, and yep, you know, there you go. That's your that's your story. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you get some nice nice stories where he teams up with um, the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds, mm-hmm. in order to um, find out who's who's sabotaging this airship um, launch, or when he te- fights um, the Infernal Doctor Pip and his um, bombs that he's planning throughout um, Opal City. Mm-hmm. I mean, like those are. Like, Fairly conventional superhero plotting stuff, and it's not bad, but it's more. I realize those stories are more to facilitate um, Jack Knight's growth as a superhero rather than to just like be actual compelling plots in and of themselves. The other thing, though, is that the more you read this, the more you realize that there's a bit of throat shoving going on. The fact that, you know, like a lot of superheroes you'll see in Starman are of the Golden Age or Silver Age variety. Like you get to see the Golden Age. Um, Sandman, you'll see the Golden Age Green Lantern, or a, lot, a bunch of other Golden Age superheroes you've never even heard of, and you're wondering, like, what, what, why are these people, what are these people special for? What are they, what are they even doing here? And it was this kind of like, it's kind of an agenda right there by Robinson. He's got his, he's trying to bring these people back in this series, show you how cool they were, how, how much they, like, how much they were, like, like what these people were like, what they were, how, why you should appreciate them, you know? And I look at this and think, okay, I understand. Like, yeah, you're doing a good job as a, you know, you're you're doing a decent enough job working them into the series. But you know, I, I get the feeling you're showing this only because like, you think they're cool and you think I should like them. And that's an issue. That's that's uh, it's not a deal breaker as far as enjoying the series goes. But it's kind of like unless you're like into like finding out like the old old history of Golden Age superheroes from the DC, then you're probably going to be annoyed. I mean, in the final, in the um, the series' big climactic arc, Grand Guignol, where um, where the shade goes crazy and starts um, taking over Opal, you also um, find out you you also find out like Greg Ronson works in this. The main villain of this arc is basically a walking, talking retcon on the part of um, James Robinson to show you why the shade was acting like crazy and goofy in the Silver Age, as opposed to like you know the suaves. Solve collected superhero, solve collected supervillain. He he's presented as in the Starman series proper today. I mean, it's like he's he's trying to present this one continuous history for Starman and his villains over the course of the series, and that's kind of like I mean, I'm impressed he manages to pull it off. But it's one hand, it's kind of like it's more a uh, appreciation of form rather than appreciation of actual story. That being said, um. One of the things about the art, though, is that um, the series' main artist and for the first half of the series is Tony Harris, and he does um, a lot of um, a lot of good stuff in terms of style, presentation, and just uh, he's he's got. I'll say it again. He's not just his style, like the, the panel layouts, the action. It's good stuff. It's it's interesting. It's fascinating to see see him at work, even if like he it the stuff you see here as it goes on starts to bear some of the hallmarks of his photo referenced work. In in modern day, in his modern age stuff like in you know, like in Brian Vaughn's Ex Machina and that's kind of more annoying than anything else. 
But still, you look at this stuff, and it's great stuff in the first half. Second half is um, done by um, Peter Snedberg. And, okay, I I like... Snedberg is good enough. He's got a good sense of story. He's got his own style. But looking at him compared to Harris is a letdown in in any in most in most ways. I mean he doesn't have the uh the real real like dynamic sense of style that Harris has. It's like or the uh it's, it's like or just like the it's it's just not, not quite as good like most part. I mean it's I'm glad that he was able to like to do pretty like all of the issues from here on out after he after he signed on. That it's good that he presents a consistent artistic style. But like and it's good, it's decent enough, but yeah, after Harris, it's it's let down. But overall, it's like it's they could have done a lot worse than to have him in the la- in these in the last half of the series. So I give him thumbs up. I give him thumbs up. But like Tony Tony Harris gets two thumbs up, way up for the first half of the series. But overall, I mean, like if you're interested in like in seeing like a good, we got also the fringe superheroes from DC DC's up in the um, early to mid nineties because. This is back when the Ultimates are all of the, are all of the uh, you know, like, oh, we're big, big extreme fighting, like, beating the crap out of other people, superhero, like, stop, like, like, agenda. Like, this is back when, like, when Superman was dead, when Batman's bat was broken, when we've got yeah. the, uh, we got the rise of Image as well, and then you got this yeah. other, this other minor superhero, so it's all about more building character than anything else, and that's, that's Starman's legacy more than anything else. That's that you that you could build a superhero series around um, character building rather than around superhero action. No, I'll, I'll have to comment on that too. Like I, I totally like skimming through both of these issues. I totally agree with you. Like Tony Harris, like Tony Harris compared to speed, uh, Peter uh, Snegbjerg. Snegbjerg. Like Tony Tony Harris's artwork. Like when you're looking at the work. It totally sets the mood for how it's building up the story. I'm looking at Peter Peter Snegbjerg's artwork, and I don't get that same feeling. And granted, like I personally like growing up reading and reading comic books and looking at artwork. I've always been a Marvel person myself. Yeah, I've always I I wouldn't say I despise DC, but I've never been interested in DC because you had those main ca- comic book characters like. Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, you know, all those yeah, characters. You had those icon- iconic characters you're going to yeah, love. Yeah, you had those iconic characters that never interested me compared to Marvel's like Spider-Man, Wolverine, yada, yada, yada. Basic point being said, um, I'm looking at, um, after listening to you explain the story and skimming through the comic book, like I realized that, you know, Especially when you had uh, mentioned in your other podcast about the uh, 100 Bullets. Yeah. Like, I've been missing out on really good storylines. It's just that my biased opinion about DC and Marvel, like, I've kind of missed out on, like, these stories. And personally, myself, like, I've always read comic books based on the artists, like Jim Lee and... and uh, yeah. And... Uh, Jim Lee, you yeah. know, Mark Silvestri, all those guys. So, like, DC never had those guys, so I never mm-hmm. really paid attention to them. But I'm looking at the artwork here. These guys have, like, you know, great, you know, arts. Yeah, art so, styles, so, so, so has, has his own style. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not as quite dense as, um, or as uh, dynamic as Tony Harris, but he's got yeah. his own style. 
and yeah, DC's never been about like really about putting artists first, and when they do, they usually wind up like having their series delayed, right? Like longer than anything else. But exactly, and it's like, and you know what? It's like, I mean, personally, me, I, I put artists first over story. That's just how I am because I'm an artist. But um, like looking at these books and these volumes, I I realize that I've been missing out on some great stuff. And the storylines like seem like the storylines seem like they're very dynamic to where like you're very involved with the character. It's just mm-hmm. when you're looking at the artwork, especially with uh, how you pronounce the his last name, Peter Peter Schnitzberger. I'm sorry, yeah, Peter, I, Peter if, you're listen, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for pronouncing your last name wrong. But it's like we're we're looking at this and we're trying we're doing our best right here. Butcher, yeah. just kidding. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. not important. And, when, and, and I'm sorry and I'm sorry if you feel this way or if you get pissed off if I say, say this comparison but when I'm looking at your art when I'm looking I'm not saying totally to you Peter but when I'm looking at this when I'm looking at the artwork in this particular book there's just a part of me that just thinks like Mary Wentworth or like Stanley Spider-Man when it was uh, in the when it was in the uh, newspapers and shit. Okay, so you think it's like newspaper <laughs> quality stuff then? That's how I feel when I look at this volume of Starman. But when I look at Tony Harris's mm-hmm. version of like the first volume, I I get a different feel from it, and I feel like I'm in the mood. Like to me, it's like you know I don't know I, I don't want to compare it to Watchmen, but I it gives it. Like when you're looking at the watch, like when you're reading the Watchmen graphic novel, yeah, like you're you're being put in that mood, that darkness where like, ooh, like like I'm totally feeling it just by looking at it, and but not even not even when you're reading it, when you're looking at it, you, you're put in the mood like, ooh, something fucked up is about to happen, yeah, or something something like sinister is about to happen. That's how I feel when I read the first volume, even 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 in a hundred bullets, like. Um, when you when you when you reviewed that earlier, like when I looked at the, I didn't even read it. Like I just looked at scenes, looked at the, looked at the drawings. Like I kind of felt that way. Like I haven't even read, I haven't even read the the comic, but I kind of got that feeling. Like oh, this would be an interesting read because it gives me like a moody kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And with the second half of Starman. I don't get that same feeling like it just it just it just gives me the feel like I'm reading another Superman or Green Lantern yeah. or you, you know one of the commercial characters comics books. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's like Superman's like art is more more conventional, more mm-hmm. it's like like less less dynamic, but yeah. I mean, he's he's good at telling story. He's got mm-hmm. his own particular style. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I look at this and like, you know, it's like it's 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 sad that Tony Tony Arsh couldn't um, commit to the rest of the series that he had, he wanted to go and do his own creator own stuff. Right. Which I gotta give him more power to you. Like if you want uh, your creator, you want to do stuff that you own, as opposed to work on a creator, as opposed to a character that's owned by a, a company like DC or Marvel. Right. Then like that's like more power to you. I give you props for that. But like, with Sense Berserk stuff, I mean, it's like he's got a good sense of. You no, know, he knows how to tell the story. Yeah. It's like he knows how to present stuff stuff in in the way that's going to most. Most appeal to the audience in his, in his style, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying that his art style is like crappy or shitty or whatsoever. It's just that, like, when I read that book, yeah, it's just I don't get the same feeling 
like going from volume one to volume two of the paperback. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure like if he was given the story and, and you know artists like dealing in the comic book world, artists, you know they're given that type of freedom. Yeah, they, they they come and go. They come and go. The artists come and go. They're given the, like the different types of freedoms or restrictions. You know, God knows what. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying like his art style is shitty. Like he has like he has a really good art style. It's just like compared to volume one, which he showed me, compared which was Tony Harris. Compared to volume two, it was like like volume ten actually. It was volume ten. Yeah. Okay. Volume ten. I was just, I just did. I didn't feel the same way. And okay. granted, like I'm just jumping ahead of myself because I've never read the, I never read these comic books. Mm-hmm. I've never like been interested in DC or DC characters or Starman for that instance. I'm just skimming through on what you've given me. And what you just gave me right now, like, I'm skimming through, like, Tony Harris's artwork, mm-hmm. and I'm like, damn, dude, like, I've been missing out. And I, and I skimmed through Peter, uh... Snegberg. Snegberg. I'm sorry if I fucked up your name. I've been skimming through Peter Snegberg, and I'm like, damn, uh, whatever. Yeah, but so, I, so you're saying that the art is actually, and I'm going to try to turn your podcast into a debate, right. but I'm just saying that it does, for you, it sets the mood, it's important. It's important to me. Like, okay. um, so you think that uh, you're saying, irregardless of the actual storyline, irregardless of the actual storyline. Well, let, let me ask you this hypothetical. Like I said, not a debate question though. But uh, let's say um, do you like the Batman movies that Christopher Nolan directed. Mm-hmm. Okay, another movie came out. Christopher Nolan directed it, but it wasn't Christian Bale. And there was a slight difference in, in like the quality, like the way the movie looked. Would you still like it? I'm sorry. Repeat that question. Okay. So, mm. let's say Christian Bale is not in the next Batman film, mm-hmm. but it's still directed and written by Christopher Nolan. But let's say that the that the look of the film changes quite a bit. That would be more important to me than anything else because it, I mean, like you get like, it's. I know it's a different medium. It's just. A I, know, I know. I know. We're, we're we're still talking. We're still talking about on the topics of comic books, comic book movies. Correct. If 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 they were to create a Batman three, and Christian Bale wasn't Batman slash Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. or even if Christopher Nolan was directing or not directing, mm-hmm. depending on how they did the film. Would depend depending on how they created the film would establish my criticism on it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with fucking uh, Spider Man. I'm the most diehard. I got a fucking Spider Man tattoo on my left arm for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm the most diehard Spider Man fan ever. Everybody shits on mm-hmm. Spider Man three, but I will defend it. I do like Spider Man three. I do hate the fact that they put the emo shit in there, and I hate the fact uh, that no, they, no, it's like emo Spider Man and Spider Man Three was fucking hilarious. It, it, I, like he does his he does his dance. It's like that's that's I, I laugh my ass off. That's supposed to be that's supposed to be intentionally hilarious well, on and, Sam Raimi's and, part. And, and, I, and I agree with you because like when Spider when Peter Parker got the the symbiote, he became a dickhead. Yeah, and <laughs> that and to me emo, I wouldn't say all emo kids, but. I mean, when you think emo, you think of dickheads. That's what most... I'm sorry yeah. to say that. That's what, like, a lot of most of my friends think. And I don't think that way, but I like everybody. But if they... If they're a dickhead, they're a dickhead. I'll give but, you this. I'll give you this. Here's my opinion. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'll tell you why I brought Batman up. 
because mm -hmm. I was a fan of the first two films uh, largely of the original Batman mm -hmm. and when Batman Begins came out I didn't even want to touch it with a 10 foot pole because really? the way it looked really? oh yeah because me I'm like that's not Batman Batman okay. is a dark character set in Batman dark Begins? scenes Batman, ba Batman Begins sir and I said you know what I'm not touching it because the way it looked and, and I refused to watch it in the theaters because of the way it looked and I said, you know what? I just don't. I don't dig this. This is not the way I understand well, Batman. I'm, and then, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I okay. gotta finish. Let me finish my train of thought, and then I'll let you interject. <laughs> and then eventually, on DVD, I saw it, and I mm -hmm. said, okay. So you never saw it in theater. Never did. Yeah. See, uh, see, but I used your argument, and I turned it around, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to show you that. Well, after I did give it a chance, I said, this storyline is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And regardless of the way it looks, mm -hmm. I actually like Tim Burton's dark spin on the entire on the entire series. Kind of inspired that whole cartoon that was Batman, you mm -hmm. know, the animated series. And I, and I, and I love the way that that looked. Um, when it was really brightened up, I said, "What the hell did they do with this?" So so for me, the vision of it changed, but it took a long time to sway me over. And then mm -hmm. I saw that the story was good, mm -hmm. and I said, okay, I can actually... So, if you will, Batman Begins, I don't actually like the way that it shot per, as much as I like the storyline. Mm -hmm. Okay, not to drag this this topic, this, this, story, this debate back on topic. You've yeah, got... Like, basically, the whole point of this is, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you've got... Like, regardless of the, the change in artist from Tony Harris to Peter Snezberg, you've still got um, James Robinson writing Starman from beginning to end, and... He, like the fact that he's that he's like in charge of the character that he's debating his that he's um putting his um his voice on the character like from beginning to end that's what carries you on from like like over the change in, in artists I mean you're like you like yeah there's a change in artist there's a change in style but you're still gonna want to read this because it's still the same um Jack Knight that you right. read from be from beginning to end right. and that's more than anything else that's the most important thing in terms right. of transition and that's how and that's right. how I see it now. I would say if even if someone were to reinterpret Batman, um, and actually there was a reinterpretation, like if they, like they replaced, Batman. if they replaced, um, like Christian Bale with Jake Gyllenhaal. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm just using this. My other example is one that uh, actually Myron did show me, and uh, and I wouldn't watch the Batman for the same exact reason. I didn't like the artwork compared to the original, like what? compared to the the animated series. But then when I gave the storyline... I'm sorry, wait, wait, what? That's exactly right. The Batman animated series. Oh, the, the new the one that... You didn't like that right. animation? No, no, wait. Now, give uh, me a chance. You got your opinion in? I'm getting my opinion in. <laughs> I didn't like it compared to Batman the animated series. The of course. The Tim stuff. Of course. is superior. That, and I watched it, and, you're, and you were talking to me about some of how, how, you know, how they redid some of the storyline, and I watched it, and I'm like, okay, I actually like it. But the animation turned me off actually and that's funny because it turned you on see and that so so for me art style and you go swing it back to be, uh, Starman real quick you know art style actually can swing an audience left or right you know yeah, it's, like, it's like well it's like that's why I took Harry Potter and I shot him with a totally new cast and I decided to make it a little bit more realistic mm -hmm. I mean and people will go that's not how the other five movies are shot but the storyline would be the same. We'll see. Okay, even <laughs> so, e even 
I, like what I'm about to say, I think kind of correlates with everything we've been talking about. Like getting getting back to John's argument right now. Like to me, the original Batman cartoon series from the '90s, nothing can fuck with that. That is oh hell ult- yeah. That is the ultimate telling of Batman in an animated series ever. However. The Batman, the new Batman series, mm-hmm. like done by the company that did, that did uh, the Jackie Chan adventures. That can't touch the '90s Batman ever. That can never ever touch it. However, there, I do like the animation style. I do like the retelling of certain villains, mm-hmm. like coming up. However, like classic villains like the Joker, um, Two Face, or not Two Face, uh, Clayface. Clayface. Clay, like in the the new series, Clayface was like Bruce Wayne's best friend, and he became Clayface because Joker jacked him up because of his new like you know Joker formula. Okay, that was a little bit ridiculous. Granted, there is a little bit ridiculous in the new Batman series, however, with certain older characters. I do like the retelling of like their origins, but nothing can touch nothing can touch the original. Well, I wouldn't even say this is the original. Nothing can touch the '90s. Batman's I cartoon. I, I think that's the best Batman retelling right. ever. Right. And it goes to my point, like, coming back to Starman, is just <laughs> getting, getting, like, certain, certain comic books or certain comic book animated series, their art style will draw you, it, it draws in certain people, like, certain people like to be visually stimulated, and mm-hmm. certain styles will bring them in more than just story alone. Like, and that's why I never really that's why I really hated on DC I never I never really liked DC growing up because mm. Superman he's from outer space and he could fuck everybody up no one could fuck with him except for a guy who makes a billion dollars a year and could ah. and, and could well you see that's a whole different podcast right there <laughs> talking about exactly. why Lex Luthor you know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna go deep into this yeah. cause that's a whole different podcast but that's just how I felt about DC characters. Like I just kind of felt there wasn't a whole lot of depth to DC characters compared to Marvel until Jason introduced me to comic books such as Hunter Bullets or even Starman. Like I've I've heard of Starman for a really long, long time, just because it was DC label, I never gave it a chance. So that's yeah. just all I'm saying. And then all I'm saying too is like a lot of my favorite artists. They were drawn to Marvel, or they were drawn to Image. That's all. That's yeah. all. That's basically all I'm saying. And now that I'm an adult, and I appreciate story, depth, art, even fuller than I did than I was in high school, I can see what I, I was missing out on, and I'm willing to give it a chance now. Okay, well now this is done. So like I'm did aside from Starman, I got to you to Hitman as well. Hitman. So, yeah, it's like that's that's old. I've actually done that podcast. I have to tell you to listen to that instead. But <laughs> okay. it's like that being said, it's like okay, if you can find Starman in like regular trade paperback form, more highly recommended. You can find it in the omnibus form. Yeah, it's expensive, but to be honest, I'd buy that buy that as well because of what I've read of it. And aside from just getting like every like Starman story in order, you also get James Rob- writer James Robinson's thoughts on each issue as well. And that for me, that's more that's more than enough recommendation you need to know to get it. So, on that note, we're going to call a night and talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.